It has been such a long time since I sat behind the microphone and spoke to you and I felt that it was an appropriate time to do that given everything that's going on in the world right now. So apologies that it's been so long since I released an episode but I hope that um, that hearing what I have to say will somehow help or provide some comfort in what feels like what feels like a really, really difficult time. And, you know, I'm sat here in my home office, so I do apologise if you can hear any background noise. Um, but it doesn't feel like the time for perfection. You know, you'll notice that there isn't a jingle at the start of this podcast as there normally is. It normally takes me a few hours to get something published and out there. And I guess as I was thinking about how I might process and publish this podcast, I thought, you know, now's just not the time. Now's not the time for perfection. It's interesting, isn't it? I've been speaking to so many people, so many friends and family and clients, and and it's really helping people focus in on, on what's important to them. Um, there's livelihoods that are being um, threatened. There's challenges for all of us in different ways. And it, it sounds like such a cliche, but it really does feel like now is the time for compassion. And I want to sort of keep touching on that point as I meander my way through however long this podcast will be. I hope that it won't be rambling, I hope that it will be useful, but as always, it comes from from the heart when I speak. People are scared, and that's the thing that I am noticing most, is that people are really, really scared, and we all have different responses to fear. And that response is very much based on how we dealt with fear as a child, how we saw the people around us dealing with fear. Some people go quiet and withdraw, some people get angry, some people try to run away. And that's that's part of our conditioning as a species, actually, that, that roots back into uh, the fight, flight or freeze responses that we have as part of our evolved species. So it's it's really sort of interesting to look around um, to see how people respond and I don't use that word like I'm sort of indulging in some big social experiment I just I just try as much as I can to avoid judgmental language because when we feel frightened we tend to judge other people it's what we do you know it's it's a it's a way of um Perhaps it's a way of saying, well, I'm not them, so maybe I'm going to be safer if I'm not them. Or maybe somehow this crisis will move past me because I'm not them. You know, it sort of dates back thousands of years, this idea that there is a them and an us. And if I'm not them, then I'm somehow better than them or I'm different to them. And if I'm different to them, then maybe in the case of this thing that we're experiencing at the moment, maybe this virus won't won't come to me. Um, judging other people can be a really powerful way to make ourselves feel better. Um, but of course, it comes from a place of insecurity. All judgment comes from a place of insecurity. Um, you, If you want evidence of that, I only have to ask you, when was the last time that you felt great about yourself? Um, and when you felt great about yourself, did you feel the need to judge anybody else? Um, the answer will be no, because when we feel good about ourselves, when we feel secure, when we feel confident, we don't need to judge other people. Of course, the biggest 
the biggest, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? The biggest one to look out for is when we judge other people for judging other people. You know, I'm guilty of that myself. I've, I find myself routinely saying, gosh, look at them judging. And, you know, if only they knew that that person was suffering. And then I'm like, and here I am judging, doing exactly the same thing that I'm trying to uh, encourage others to think about. But I guess that speaks to the point that we're all we're all human and the way that we experience the world, the way that we behave in the world is all part of our conditioning. It's all part of the way that we have been raised, the things that have happened to us. So yeah, there's lots of people who are fearful at the moment and that kind of that kind of means that we're experiencing a collective existential anxiety. You know, never before, certainly in my lifetime, have I known so many people around me to be experiencing this sort of level of um, anxiety. Some people are experiencing feelings of dread or um, catastrophic thoughts, that kind of thing. And it is it is known, the research tells us that our nervous systems kind of vibe off each other. So when we are in this collective you know, and it's being revealed to us, isn't it, how interconnected we all are. You know, whether you're spiritual, religious or not, there is a truth here that we cannot survive without each other. You know, we rely on the people that stack the shelves. We rely on, you know, you know the NHS, the heroes that are working to keep our health system alive. And the, the people that we just, we never really see, you know, the delivery drivers, the truck drivers, the people who are who are making the all of the utilities work, you know, these often invisible forces that are around us, these invisible people, you know, we're all interconnected. We might like to think that we're independent and that we don't need anybody else, um, but we do. And, and, and maybe that's, that's, being highlighted to us and maybe we're uncomfortable with that because all of a sudden we're in a state of crisis and we know that in order to get through this we really do need each other um for a long time now you know we've been sort of the individual has been glorified you know it's all been about every man for himself and you know if you work hard enough you can get whatever you want and and you're entitled to whatever you want and you know i don't want to get political on this podcast that's not the purpose of it but there are there are perhaps you know signs that this has been coming that this sort of glorifying the individual and this sort of uh you know erosion of community values has led people to feel that they have to take things on themselves and and I hope uh, that many things come out of this crisis but one of them I hope is that we realize that we are all interconnected that we do all need each other um, and that we do have a capacity to support one another you know the shows of love the shows of compassion the shows of kindness the small acts the big acts of kindness that I'm seeing on Facebook on social media out in my community locally here leaflets that are coming through the doors to to say you know we're here if you need help they're they're the best of humanity you know they are absolutely the best you know when we are given the environment to flourish and to be kind we can do such incredible things and also when we are fearful when we are frightened when we are scared we can do some really awful things too so 
you know, I, I sort of ask you to really bear in mind that, you know, the environment at the moment is so um, zingy, was the word that I used the other day. We're all, on to some extent, living in the fight-flight part of our nervous systems. You know, we're all activated. And again, you know, looking to the research, when we're in that fight-or-flight mode, the part of our mind that is responsible for rationality, for thinking big picture, for reasoning goes offline. You know, they've literally shown in brain scans that when somebody is in a fight flight um, mentality, when their nervous system is in that place, the blood flow from the prefrontal cortex, the part of your brain that is responsible for rational thinking, literally drains away. And and the amygdala, which is what triggers the fight or flight, is really activated. So you know, everybody is responsible for how they behave. You know, we we live in a civilized culture where people are held responsible for their actions and that's entirely appropriate. But perhaps if we can come to understand you know, why people panic by, why people think they need, you know, it's easy to sort of joke about the fact that people feel that they need 30 loo rolls to get them through a week. Um, but that's that's a symptom of being in a fight-flight mode where you're not thinking straight. You know, I was in the supermarket the other day. I'm very fortunate we live next to a, um, a convenience store. And I was in there the other day and I saw a lady with sort of three trolleys full of food and she was panicking and I could see that she was sort of you know, making her way around the store and 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 it triggered me and I, I felt myself going into this sort of really, um, you know, sort of anxious state and then I thought maybe I need to panic by, maybe I need to start, you know, getting a trolley and raiding the shelves and, and it was really interesting. I was, you know, I like to think of myself as someone that's, that's self-aware um, and I was able to really clock that and go, wow, this is powerful. Look what's happening. I'm I'm vibing off this woman's um, anxious energy right now. And it's it's draining my my rationality. It's draining my ability to think straight. So. So, yeah, there are some real sort of scientific explanations for what we're seeing. But again, you know, we do have a society, a culture where thankfully people are held responsible. And just because just because there is a scientific explanation it doesn't mean that the behavior is acceptable you know if someone is um in their fight flight response and they're being angry towards you or abusive or breaking boundaries that doesn't mean that we should suddenly you know accept those things it doesn't mean that we should turn a blind eye no absolutely not we are we have to hold people accountable and we have to take responsibility for for our own boundaries you know i think it, that's really important that you know how can i say this shaming other people for breaking boundaries is not the way to encourage you know that kind of the behavior that we want to see because if somebody is in their fight flight response and they are behaving irrationally um, and panic buying for example when you shame that person Shame is the most um, disconnecting feeling someone can experience. So you effectively, for somebody who, somebody who is already in fight or flight mode, you just pour petrol on the flames. So they're going to become even more irrational. And that's when people can descend into um, you know, really unpleasant behaviours. So, you know, I don't want this to be a sort of uh, 
a lecture on how to talk to people or how to be, but maybe there's a place for some compassion, holding boundaries. The the most the most important person that we can be responsible for is ourselves. You know, we may look out and with judgment about what other people are doing, um, but it's really important, isn't it, to think about think about what we're saying and what the impact of it's going to be. You know, it's all well and good taking to social media and and shaming the people that are panic buying, but is it really going to stop them panic buying, or is it just going to um, turn up their anxieties? You know, sharing things on social media that are useful, that are helpful, that are soothing, that are um, perhaps calming or reassuring might be a better way to to bring the collective anxiety levels down and just try and engage some more grounded energy which is so so desperately needed at the moment um sort of leads me on to my next point really which is you know some of the judgment that's been coming is about people that are still leaving their homes and i myself am frustrated you know full transparency when i see that because i think for some people uh, there's a lot of denial about how serious this is um whatever your view on it is whether or not you're a sort of a conspiracy theorist or whether or not you believe that this is you know mother earth setting her own boundaries teaching us a lesson whether you feel that it's a government plot whatever you think this is um at this point you know is sort of i don't want to say it's irrelevant because i think we all search for meaning to give us comfort but at this point in the game what we do know is that this virus has the potential to overload our healthcare system and that will mean that people will die you know so when i see people leaving their homes socializing you know letting their children play together in the park and that kind of thing i i have a sense of compassion for those people and i'll come on to talk about that in a moment as to why i why i can hold that compassion but again you know it is a case of compassion is is not compassion without boundaries and that's a, that's something that Brené Brown quoted a long time ago you know compassion is not compassion without boundaries so whilst i can hold compassion for those people i do still believe that what they're doing is wrong and that there should be consequences they should be in some way um you know really strongly encouraged to not do that through education through grounded evidence rather than the shaming that i talked about um, but why do I hold compassion for those people? Well, I suppose I suppose in my role as therapist, I see a lot, um, and from my own experience too, before doing this work, before becoming a therapist and learning um, how to regulate myself and how to be with my feelings, I understand how difficult it can be for people when things get quiet and they have to sit with themselves. And we're all we're all very busy people. You know, most of us are busy. Most of us have got jobs that keep us entertained. Most of us have got friendship circles that keep us distracted. Most of us have got a smartphone where we can completely um, lose ourselves and just be sucked into different worlds of you know Instagram, Facebook, you know whatever YouTube. But when those resources run out, or when we get bored of them and the, we can't go out of our houses, we can't go to work. We have to sit with ourselves, you know, and we all have we all have demons, we all have stuff within ourselves that is difficult to sit with. And so we go about busying ourselves, we set about distraction, we set about 
um, leaving the house, walking down the road, going to the shops, going to the playground, whatever it is. Because fundamentally for some people it is incredibly difficult to sit quietly and allow the body to feel. Because if they allow the body to feel, it can be so, so destabilizing. For some people, the only space that that they feel safe to feel that way is either with a is a with a close friend or with a therapist or in a support group. And we have to think, don't we, you know, there are people that are missing all of those all of those places at the moment. And physical space is important as much as sort of mental space. So, you know, I do understand that it's difficult. I do understand that for people who are not used to having quiet or find that when they do have quiet, their thoughts start to manifest you know, difficult, difficult thoughts and their bodies start to um, create difficult feelings. And I understand that for some people that can be incredibly difficult and maybe they might feel that those feelings, if they were allowed to be felt, might overwhelm them. But I wanted to sort of talk a little bit about a technique that that I discovered in a book called Radical Compassion by um, a lady called Tara Brack. And she has this technique called the RAIN technique, which is a technique for staying with difficult feelings. So if this if this is you... If you are finding the isolation difficult because it, it means that you have to sit with yourself and you find that sitting with yourself is difficult and you're sort of noticing that you're distracting yourself or moving around or calling loads of people consistently, you know, it's I think it's I think it's really important that we have connection. I think it's incredibly important that we're able to stay connected with our families through the phone or through video or texting or whatever it is i do really think that that is important and as a as a species um connection is what keeps us alive you know we are not designed to be isolated at all um it's why they use isolation as a form of punishment in prisons you know so i'm not i'm not for a second saying don't do those things but if you find yourself compulsively reaching out for connection and you're unable to sit with yourself in, in a quiet space and allow yourself to just be, then this technique may work for you. It's called the RAIN technique. Um, RAIN is an acronym and the R stands for recognize. So if you find yourself sat, sat quietly and a feeling starts to come up, just recognize what that feeling is. Is it anxiety? Is it fear? Is it loneliness? Is it panic? Is it calm? Is it happiness? Is it joy? Is it uncertainty? Whatever these feelings may be, it's important to just recognize them and label them. You know, sometimes when we can, when we can label a feeling, it can just create that little bit of distance from the feeling because we're now not it. In order for us to, to label the feeling, we aren't the feeling. You know, in the same way that I'm sat here in front of my desk and I'm looking at my glass of water and I can see that, oh, that's a glass of water and it's separate from me, I'm not the glass of water, is the same with feelings. If we can have a feeling of anxiety and say, oh, that's anxiety, then, you know, we're labelling anxiety. We aren't anxiety. So that's the first thing to do is to recognise the feeling. And, and that might not be in words, you know, it may be if it's an embodied feeling that we can just we can just recognize, oh, tight chest or tingly arms or um, 
tense brow you know whatever whatever the sensations are um recognizing them and labeling them can be a really powerful way for us to just have a a a bit of space away from them so it's not to say that we're not going to feel them but we're recognizing that we are not them so that's the sort of recognized part the r in rain the second letter is a and that stands for allow and the simple question that you can ask when you're experiencing this is can i be with this you're really really simple can i be with this so where you've you've recognized what it is it's a tight chest it's anxiety but can you be with it you know and just just allowing it to rise within you whatever the feeling is noticing how it has um, a start and an end and it may have a curve as well if it's anxiety it tends to have a curve it starts and then it builds and builds and builds and then it releases but can you be with this really really simple question the container of your awareness is much bigger than the feeling in the same way that we can observe things that are outside of ourselves and say they're oh that's outside of me you know so there is a subject and an object i'm the subject witnessing the object which was the glass of water It's exactly the same with our feelings and with our thoughts. You know, we are the witness. The thought or the feeling is the object. So we are the subject and the things in our awareness are the objects. So can you be with this? The I in RAIN stands for investigate. So where is this in my body? You know, if you haven't already done that in the recognizing part, where is this in my body? Yeah, just a really simple question. And also with the investigate, it's not to start analysing. That's not the point of investigation. Don't go down the route of why am I feeling like this? You know, what is it that's triggered this feeling? You know, that's a rabbit hole. The investigate is just where is this in my body? And is it true? You know, the things that I'm telling myself, if you've got a lot of compulsive thinking about, you know, X, Y, Z is going to happen. This is going to happen. That's going to happen. Is it true? You know, thoughts are real, but they're not true. Another quote from Tara's book, thoughts are real, but they're not always true. You know, we are not our thoughts. I mean, if I if I believed every single thought that I had in my mind throughout the day, then, you know, I'd, I'd be insane. I'd, I'd lose my mind. But for some reason, when we have fearful thoughts, we tend to pay, we tend to pay a lot more attention to them. We tend to give them a lot more credibility actually you know we can be we can be the person that decides which thoughts to listen to so investigate where is this in my body and is it true you know is this, is the truth to what what's going on and the final step in rain is nurture um and that's a simple question of asking what does this feeling need now your mind will tend to jump in at this point and say, I just need to get out of the house or I just need to call this person or I just need to do this or I just need to distract myself. But actually, if you sit with your feeling, especially if it's a distressing feeling, put your hand on your body where the feeling is. So for some people, anxiety is in their chest or in their stomach or for it might be in your head, in which case put your hands to your head and just simply ask the question, what does this feeling need? And Try and imagine that you're asking the feeling as something that is separate to you. In the same way that you would ask a friend if you saw a friend that was upset, you might say, what, what, what do you need? How can I help? 
in the same way ask that of yourself and you'll be really interested to uh to hear what comes you know it'd be really interesting to see what comes because often it's just i just need to feel this you know, feeling is healing so often in our our culture when we have a feeling we're taught to just try and distract ourselves from it or move away from it or get rid of it or not feel it but the, the word feeling the clue is in the is in the word you know it's it's there to be felt so going through rain it's recognizing what is this feeling can i label it can i call it something if i can't call it something maybe i could give it a color maybe i could give it a texture maybe i could locate it within my body and label the feeling you know what what label the sensation allow can i allow it can i be with it investigate where is it in my body and is it true is it is the story that i'm telling myself true and then nurture what does it need what does it need to feel better what does it need to feel soothed and it may just be that it's just a case of being with it you know we've all been told at some point in our lives you know oh, don't cry it'll be all right you know you don't need to be upset don't let yourself don't let it get to you you know what if we just allowed allowed ourselves to be upset what if we just allowed ourselves permission to to let it get to us but to also know that it's not going to consume us you know so i wanted to share that with you um because i feel like it's a really really powerful technique um some other stuff that i just wanted to mention in kind of wrapping up really is around things that you might be able to do to to just self-care you know i'm going to be releasing some some more content i'm hoping to put a page on my website soon some resources for just generally um how to calm how to ground yourself there's loads of stuff out there as well which I'll be sharing sort of other people's work other people's contributions but for now just some really obvious things you know the conspiracy theory side of things and, and you know that the, some of those conspiracy theories are really dark about new world orders and all this kind of stuff I just encourage you you know if that helps you if that makes you feel more grounded if that gives you a sense of um, ease to know that there is an explanation and that, that that resonates for you, then don't let me discourage you from doing that. I'm certainly not telling anyone what to do here. But just check in with yourself. If you notice that as you read those conspiracy theories, if, as you indulge in those, um, those sort of narratives, if you feel that your anxiety is increasing, then you know, maybe ease off it a little bit. Because part of this is about knowing what's within your control and what is, without, what is outside of your control. You know, what is within your control is, well, I can stay in my home, I can isolate, I can contact my friends, perhaps friends that I know are well regulated um, so that I will get a positive vibe off them and we can ground each other. But what's without, outside of your control is, you know, is this some big government conspiracy and the whole world is being reordered? You know, I don't know, but it's completely out of my control. Um I'm a big fan of justice. I'm a big fan of um, people having truth. But in the midst of a crisis, is that the right time to be sort of loading ourselves up with more anxiety? But as I say, you know, that might that might give people comfort. And in which case, do whatever do whatever you feel good about. Do what makes you feel good. But 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 know what you're feeling. Um, some of us are really out of touch with our feelings. 
and um, we don't check in and we just sort of mindlessly absorb information and not realize that we're sort of triggering ourselves so conspiracy theories is one that i would encourage you to to sort of um be mindful about social media is something that i'm trying desperately to withdraw from at the moment because i notice that for me it's very triggering when i'm online and i'm seeing lots of people posting judgmental comments about other people and posting lots of stories about you know news articles and all that kind of stuff that for me is really triggering so i'm trying to notice that that's triggering and reduce my social media time um there are there are avenues that we can go to to get sort of factual information the nhs website the .gov website here in the uk um, there are places that you can go if you just want to get the facts without the media spin and i'd encourage you to do that um, and yeah setting boundaries with people um, seems to be something that i think is really really important you know if somebody is really triggering you and they're phoning you all the time and they just want to talk to you about how the world's going to end or you know they're really really distressed and you don't feel that you're able to hold that space for that person it's it's completely okay to set a boundary around how much time you want to have with that person now that person might be somebody that you're living with um, which could be really difficult if you're socially isolated or it could be somebody that's a family member that you know is socially isolated themselves um, and you're their only support but as I say you know we, we can only be responsible for ourselves and actually if that person is really triggering you it becomes a feedback loop because you then become triggered and then they start feeding off your anxiety so I would just you know make sure that you're you're setting boundaries with people around you and and that's your responsibility you know nobody can make you feel a certain way you we feel we feel a certain way based on our own conditioning and that's our responsibility to take care of ourselves so just i just really encourage you that if someone is being um really sort of unregulated around you it's okay to say look i need some time out let's speak later and certainly if that escalates to levels of abusiveness or um behavior that we would regard as abusive or deeply unkind whatever you know it is okay to step away it's okay to get space and if you're living with with people um it's okay to sort of say look i'm just going to go and chill out in the other room for a little bit i just need to get some time down you know this is new for all of us this is this is an unprecedented situation and we all need to sort of find out our own strategies for coping and and regulating ourselves through it um a little tip for you uh, before I head off is around visualization the research tells us that the mind if you if you are blessed with a good imagination and you have a mind's eye where you can visualize things then this will work for you because the body and the mind can't tell the difference between something that is imagined and something that is real so if you imagine yourself if you'd close your eyes and go into a state of uh of sort of a meditative state that is just to say just to become aware of your breath and then just start imagining that you're around the people that you love that you're connecting with the people that you love that you're doing the things that you love with the people that you love whether that's intimately <laughs> nudge nudge wink wink or whether it is um socially 
you know, we, the mind can't tell the difference between imagination and real. And there's been lots of experiments done with people that have imagined themselves in safe spaces with the people that they love. And it actually regulates the nervous system. It brings us back down into the part of our nervous system that's responsible for restoration, relaxation and recuperation. So that's one that I would encourage you to do. If you head to my website, mebeingadam.com, and look at the page for audios, you'll see that there's a, a guided meditation there that invites you to go to that a safe space. And if you choose that safe space as somewhere that's social with lots of connection, it will do the job. I'd encourage you to do that. It's just eight minutes long. So I'll wrap up here. Um, I didn't want to talk for too long, but I've been going for just over half an hour now. I hope that some of what I've said uh, provides some level of comfort to you in, in what is a really, really difficult time. If you are wanting support, then I am offering a number of online sessions to people um, who would like that. Um, you know, I'm trying to do my bit. It's important that I stay regulated too. You know, us therapists are human as well. We may have, um, you know, perhaps a little bit more knowledge about some of the ways in which we can ground ourselves and on things like nervous system regulation and all that kind of stuff. But we're human too. So I have to set my own boundaries. Um, I'm looking after me and I really, really hope that you guys can can find the resources, the time, the space, the compassion um, and the boundaries to look after yourself too. So take care. Um, until next time.